Hello, my fellow music lovers. I'm Allison Hagendorf, and welcome to the show. This is where we celebrate the universal love of music and the rock and roll spirit that lives in each of us. Today's guest is actor and musician Emil Hirsch. You probably know him best for his iconic role in Sean Penn's award-winning film Into the Wild, which also had that amazing soundtrack by Eddie Vedder. Emil has also been in so many other great films I love, like Lords of Dogtown, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Lone Survivor. But he and I truly connected once he started making music, which we really dive into in today's episode. We talk all about his latest movie, The Price We Pay, his nerve-wracking phone call from Quentin Tarantino, his extreme Marines-inspired fitness and diet regimen he had to endure for his role in Lone Survivor, and his bromance with Mark Foster of Foster the People. And stay tuned after the interview for my sound advice, new music, you need to know. It all starts now. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. So congrats on the price we pay. It is insane for people who haven't seen it yet it is insanely gory yeah it is it's almost like an old school slasher film yeah definitely and even if it's not your thing it's still worth seeing because they get to see you as is kind of like a psychopath yeah yeah it was uh it was a a change of pace you know for sure <laughs> getting to play this kind of sinister character where I kind of made it to where I didn't want him to be. He's like a psycho, but he's not like a big screamy kind of psycho. I was like, he's just like the guy who just says his weird stuff and smiles. And the fact that he's not screaming makes him more kind of weird and scary. It's more scary. Yeah. Yeah. Do you need to, like, how do you get into a headspace for this type of movie? Do you listen to music or how do you just sort of get into that? Um, You know, a lot of the times I come at it from a writing perspective Mm -hmm. where I'm like, I'll look at something and I'll be like, well, how can we make this scene more interesting? How can we how can we rearrange the dialogue or or work with the director to come up with details of a character that kind of can live in the audience's mind? You know, the character has glasses, which is kind of a something that you don't normally see on on like a kind of a crazy guy like that. Right. Other than like Tarantino and Dust Till Dawn, who's amazing in that film. Um, and, you know, I, like I wanted the character to have a pair of dice because it reminded me of Humphrey Bogart in this old movie, uh, The Cane Mutiny. And he's kind of constantly has these balls in that movie, Humphrey Bogart. And it's sort of like this tension builder. So I was like, OK, well. Alex can have dice and anytime it's almost like a magic eight ball. Like, should I kill this guy or not? He kind of shakes his dice and whatever that, you know, and it's almost, it's a, it's really a scary kind of trait where 
you know, life to him is really a game, you know, life or death. It's just right. a game. So later on in the film, when he's kind of, you know, being dealt with and his life really, his life becomes in the balance, he understands the game uh, of death that he's about to play. And instead of being scared, you know, at this point, the character has like his eyes gouged yeah. out and this, cra- <laughs> and this crazy character puts a switchblade in his hand and he's like, what's going on? And he's, but he feels it and then he opens it and he realizes what's going on. And it's sort of dementedly funny because out of all the characters in the movie, this is the one guy that would understand why right, why that's good. Yeah. And so yeah. he embraces it and wants to play the game. And it's like, it's, it's really, it's, it's a weird kind of thing. But a lot of the other details like, uh, the there's a sequence where I find Tyler Sanders, who you know the late Tyler Sanders, sadly tragically passed away. But I, there's a scene where I find him, and we're kind of going through his stuff, and I end I'm trying to get answers out of him when we play a game. And in the script, it's scripted as it's like a, a switchblade, and I'm like, I know how to make people talk. And I go up to Rayuhi, the director, and I was like, you know, I think we should like do the gun and like let me like spin the gun and it's like maybe Russian roulette and he was like oh I like that and he's like okay well what if you point it to yourself first and I'm like yeah that's kind of cool because it's even crazier he's like I'll play the game too and don't worry I'm gonna go first and then so we did that and then it's kind of crazy because we actually shot that movie in New Mexico in Las Cruces and I don't know if I'm like legally even allowed to say this but one of the gun handlers was one of the younger girls that was on Rust. Oh, my God. So two months before Rust happened, I had one, I don't know who, and I don't know the name, but like, hand me the gun. Oh, my God. And I'm playing Russian roulette with dummy bullets with myself and this kid. Like, it was afterwards. And I remember on the day being like, wow, these, these gun handlers, like, you know, they're really young and everything. And I was like, well you know, the armor and stuff. And they did a great job on that one. I have, I had no complaints, but I remember like taking the weapon each time and like shaking Making it, sure, like yeah. being like so paranoid. That is terrifying. Yeah. You're actually are sort of playing. Yeah. Russian it's like a, a yeah. revolver, like yeah. Russian roulette. So, you know, obviously weapon safety is, is a big deal. What was, what was the hardest thing about shooting this film? <laughs> the Russian roulette. <laughs> no, no, you know, that was actually, Tyler Sanders was such a great actor. He was such a sweet guy. And we had a lot of fun in those scenes. I think the hardest part was like the 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 makeup, makeup. prosthetics. Oh, yeah. And um, how long would you be sitting in a chair? It wasn't that bad. It was probably like an hour and a half and I'd be laying there. But then I'd just be in the dark. And right, I was right, just right. like, and immediately I'd be on this like metal roller stretcher. And as soon as you get moved, like, two inches you're like i have no idea where i am right. right now right so and these metal stretcher things the i don't know what you walk i don't know i don't even know what you call them tray gurneys yeah rolling gurneys Gurney. that are Let's made out of metal gurneys. they're like this high so you know if i fall out like you're gonna you're gonna get injured it's not like rolling out of a cot so i said to this girl i was like just whatever you do who are you? She's like, I'm like, do you work on this movie? She's like, yeah, yeah, I do. Okay. Because I'm blind That's at this point. Scary. I'm like, just don't leave my side. Right. And she actually never left my side. She was really cool about that. That's terrifying, though. I mean, you you can't see for like hours. Yeah, it was. And, and, and you know, I'm getting like rolled through these dark no hallways. It's a lot th- of trust. The medical instrument factor and that type of like, like getting in a gurney and like kind of running around barefoot, you know, I don't know the what do you, what do you call the um 
the sleeves with the back open uh, at the hospital. The hospital like the gown, gown. The gown. Yeah, yeah the, the gown. gown. <laughs> Those gowns. <laughs> Which are misnamed, by the way. Yeah, I don't know what kind of gown, yeah, gown that, that is. That Not is. any yeah. party I'd want to go yeah. to. But it you really feel, like, freaking vulnerable. Yeah, that is. You know, it's like the back. Funny. So, I mean, it's, it's like. It is. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, some of that. Some of that was probably the hardest part of that shoot, I think. Well, you mentioned Tarantino, and of course you had the opportunity to work with him. And he's one of your heroes. So, you know, they always say, never meet your heroes. Was that your experience? I mean, the hardest part about working with Quentin, for me, was just relaxing around him. Right. Because I had grown up, like, I was one of those kids that was always in the video store renting every movie and watching it over and over and over again and he and this you know he was the man i would like his recommendations were gospel of course you know and his thoughts and ideas about movies are you know really shaped the way i even viewed cinema in general so um you know anytime you work with someone that you admire so much you know you you don't want to come across like uh like a kiss ass but at the same time it's just a it's a weird position to be in yeah because it's like it's like hiring a fan or something you know what i mean it's like you know <laughs> Absolutely. it's like by the way there's a lot of other directors very very established i'd be totally fine around right there was something about ones, though yeah yeah it was it was fun and i had a great time working with him and he challenged me and every day and you know he never let me get off the hook i mean i remember we did a table read and i was super nervous and the way that the part was written was like kind of mysterious to me. Like I didn't, I didn't see his vision for the character in the script the way that it was because I had watched all these real videos of the real Jay Sebring, who is a very serious kind of guy in the video that I saw. Okay. So I would, so I did this table read and I just played it kind of straight, and I knew it didn't feel right. I just was like, oh, I, I just, it's. You, I could just tell. And he called me later and he was like, what's going on? I could tell. And I was like, I honestly, and I I was being called out, but it wasn't like a shock. Right, right, right. And he said, you know, I'm giving you permission to be more flamboyant as right. Jay. He's like, Jay isn't gay, mm-hmm. but he's very flamboyant. And as soon as he said that, it was like, I just thought of all the scenes and I was like, of course. Yeah. Of course that's the way now, you was play it, that part. Was it because he was giving you like permission or is he actually suggesting something you thought was a good cue? I think it was like I wasn't going to do something like that unless I had permission because okay. I just – the way it was written, I didn't quite understand it because I would try to imagine what the real Jay was like. Right. And Quentin was like, this isn't a biopic. This isn't, you know, one of those biopics you've done. It's he's right, like he's like this is, is he's like everything. this is Quentin dialogue right, and you right. want to do it like this and he's the most likable guy and he's like, you know, that's that's what he is. He goes everybody liked Jay. Um but he's, you know, if you're not doing it right, like he has no qualms about letting you know, which I think it's pretty badass. Yeah, it is badass. And I was so grateful to him to give me that opportunity and I'd always wanted to be in one of his films and I honestly think that he told me that he had something for me that as he was writing it, I think it might have been like like before 
anybody had even read it or before like I think I might I think I might have been like one of the first people really yeah like I like before Leo or any, so like flattering. anybody yeah I think it was really really because he sent me a Facebook message <laughs> oh that's amazing and I remember I was on Facebook and it was like Quentin Tarantino sends you a friend request. And I was like, <laughs> like what's this not another catfisher, because yeah. I've been catfished by some crazy people before. And I remember just being like, okay. And I was like, maybe it's him, though. So I so I, I was like, is this you? And he's like, yes, I'm assuming this is you. And I was like, he's like, I'm working on this new thing, and there might be a role for you in it. And I was like. Were you freaking out at this point? I like, mean, it's on Facebook, but at the same time, it's Quentin. So it's like yeah. anything is possible. Yeah. And, uh. I was stoked, but this was like, this was like, I don't even know the years now because I I think we shot it in 2018 or something. This was like, this was like Like a summer of like 2017. Okay. This was like way, way before. Yeah. When Facebook Messenger was actually being used more often, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And before the fall. Um, And what was wild about it was like, I think it was about nine months before anything even happened with the film. And it was like eight months before I realized that this Quentin was real or something like that. Like like, he definitely exists, you know? So I had like eight months where I was just kind of like stoked and just being like, man, I I hope this is true. Yeah, Yeah. I think it's really, you know, because I would tell a couple of people and they're like, yeah, man. Sure you are. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and this other guy hit me up, like, you know, Tom Cruise. <laughs> Tom Cruise DM'd me and said he wanted me to tell him what a totally. fan, you know. Yeah. Quentin's the best. I mean, he has some of the best soundtracks of all time, of course. I mean, personally, Reservoir Dogs is one of my favorite of all time, Pulp Fiction, of course. What about soundtracks? What role did those play in your life? Um... Do you love them? Like, they're, I, like, I can identify certain moments of time just based on a soundtrack. It's as important as the film for me. Yeah, I mean, soundtracks uh, are, it's, I mean, sound in general is, is half of everything for yeah. me. So, and that's something that I think I've grown to appreciate more over the years as time goes on. Is it really is like a 50-50 medium. Um, they just transport you to a place in time. And it's funny because I've had like horrible life experiences where, you know, I've, like, listened to the same song as the horrible experience is happening. And it's, like, after that, I almost, like, can't listen to that song. I'm like, like, this one's kind of off limits now, guys. Yeah. It's it's sort of funny how that works. Yeah. There's a real beauty to a great soundtrack that does something that no matter how well... um, you write a script or how well your first cut of a film is, the soundtrack can take it to a level that it just would never be at otherwise. Your film Into the Wild, of course, is another incredible... Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. ...example where the music... Yeah. Play, I mean, to think about... And now this movie is over 15 years old, which is crazy yeah, to think about, but... Into the Wild was 
a, a masterpiece. It has Sean Penn, your acting, the story, of course, itself, and then you have Eddie Vedder doing the music. I think he actually won the Golden Globe that year for original song. I mean, even though some time has passed, I just rewatched it, by the way. Oh, I, really? I just rewatched it. And it is <laughs> as powerful as when I first saw it in 2007. Do you still think about that film? Is this, are you still so proud to have been part of that? Absolutely. I mean, I'm, I feel so fortunate to have been part of that. And one of the things that I'm the happiest about when I look back on Into the Wild is at the time, for whatever reason, you know, I was kind of a wild child a little bit, but not really. But at the time when I got the part, I put 110% into yeah. it from, for like a very like it, I, it was everything. So I think one of the things I'm the most pleased about is even though it was, you know, 16, 15, 16 years yeah. ago, I'm not like, oh, remember that movie I did? I wish I just worked a little bit harder on. Like, I, I, I put Dave. everything into it so I can, like, stay proud of it. That's awesome. Yeah. And uh, what Eddie did and what Sean did and, you know, so many people. I mean, it's a miracle that I didn't get injured on that movie. There were a lot of very, very uh, wild situations and, and – uh, you know, it's I've got a good sense of balance. I realized apparently, as Sean said, Sean says I have the best balance of any actor ever, um, which is pretty cool. Like not only the physical positions and situations you're in, but you also had to lose nearly fifty pounds for it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was a, it was, it wasn't quite fifty. I think it was like forty two. But I'm only five seven. I love how so, modest you are. You can you can round up. I feel like that's it's, a big it's round. nearly 50 pounds. It was a lot. And, you know, it was a lot of sort of being hungry and doing spinning classes and just dreaming of food. Spin class are hard to do anyway, but to do it hungry, like malnourished is, is and really- And near the end, I was doing two a day. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I had this, like, guy named Chet Badalato who's one of Sean's kind of his right hands. And, like, Chet would, like, take me to this spin class and I would just be like- Spinning like like yeah. so skinny, just like oh god, <laughs> and like like you thought spinning classes suck, man. They suck when you're You're're like not starving. eating and like. Yeah, and I remember at a certain point I'd like sit up and like my vision would just go yellow for like twelve oh seconds, and I'd just be like. And I asked my doctor, and he was like, "Yeah, just take like a tablespoon of salt every day. You just have low blood pressure." Oh my god. But that's not the only time for for Lone Survivor. You were doing like six days a week at like the pro camp in in, in Venice. Yeah, like, Gold's Gym with T.R. Goodman. Yeah, like, that's no joke. I don't think people understand. Like, yeah, you well, especially the pro camp that they put me through. They put me through like pro camp plus because they just wanted me to have that Navy SEAL. Uh, physique or or mentality Mm -hmm. which by the way you're never gonna get even at pro camp people go i always hear actors like yeah we train for this like in this and i'm like yeah um different stakes i'm like dude (laughs) if you went to buds which is basic underwater demolition school i'm like you would flame out in one hour like i don't there's no navy seals there's no there's no actor that could ever be a navy seal ever ever respect even the toughest actor would ring the bell the (laughs) second day and until one actually does i will never ever ever give them an ounce shred of credit because you gotta remember these navy seals are the toughest guys in the country, they really are the toughest guy, the best athlete, toughest guys in their hometown. And the mental they come fortitude, there, yeah. and then only like 
a tenth of them make it. Yeah. So there's no actor that could ever actually. But you can train a lot for an actor. And he'll probably be like, that was just as hard. <laughs> but I love that you even committed to doing it without even having the part. You had to prove yeah. well, that you were committed. That's Peter Berg mm-hmm. being like kind of a genius. Because he was like, I got this actor and he's not really in Navy SEAL shape and I don't know if he can do it. So he basically made me train nonstop without giving me the part. Right. And I'm doing, so I'd be doing circuits. It was like started at six, end at 12. It's unbelievable. I'd be doing circuits and then running on the beach seven miles and all this stuff. It's unreal. And then if I slagged at all, these trainers had like carte blanche to just berate me. And they'd be like, if you don't do this, we're going to tell Pete. And he's <laughs> oh not going to hire your stupid ass. Like you're going to get fired if you don't finish this. And I'm just oh like, oh my ah. God. Yeah. That's in, see, see It's that's- a great motivator though. That's the rock and roll spirit in you, though. I mean, the fact, like you said, you give everything 110%. You go above and beyond. I mean, that's really impressive. You should feel so proud about that, I bet. I was really happy when I finally got the role. I mean, yeah. I could, and I was in, like, crazy shape. Like, I could I could just, like, it wasn't even that I had, it was, like, six-pack abs. Right. I was just strong. Really strong and had crazy endurance. I don't think people realize, and I really want to talk about it, that you are a musician. And that's really what I love. That's how we first connected. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I'm very like in my mind, I think the musician title, I, I, I consider myself maybe more of like a writer mm-hmm. um, because. Why? Because you don't literally play an instrument. Yeah, I don't really. Well, I don't really play an instrument. And originally I got into the music side. I was I did this movie called All Nighter with mm-hmm. J.K. Simmons and I play like a country singer or like a folk singer. Yeah. So at the urging of one of my good friends who is one of the best actors ever and I look up to very much, he he listened to a cover I made of Night Moves and he said, you know what you got to do, bro? He's like, you got to make some originals. And I was like, okay. So in a certain sense, everything past that, I sort of owe my buddy. But we ended up making... um, a bunch of uh, folk songs. We recorded them. And what I realized was that I had had, a, I used to do like a lot of r- limerick writing and rapping and I could always freestyle even like as a kid. It was just like something I could sort of do. I don't know. It was like the word association. I could what just. What were you listening to then? Back when I was six and yeah. freestyling in the car, I would just be making up lyrics as I went along and just making them rhyme. And then later on, I would like rap or rock and but what I found was that all of doing that, um, you know, by the time I got to writing these songs, I was actually, I realized that a lot of the, like, like the rap lyrics I was writing, I would be writing the melody with it. Right. It wasn't just like, like, the melody was 50% of what I was doing. So I had ha- I had gotten used to, to writing melodies, and I found that I was able to sort of transfer that to a more like folk and then after we finished that album simple things when i met the frenchman who's now uh part of the hirsch yeah they made me name it that i, I love I don't, it you like it? Okay. i love it you know i'll come up with the the melody the the vocal melody and then you know riff melody or something usually for me it's very dependent on whether i like something aside from the the lyric the power of that or what that means. Usually if there, if you have a meaning to write something that is important to you, you uh, the, a lot of times that's when the best melodies will surface through for that. 
And I'll get there a, a variety of ways. Sometimes I'll just sort of like mentally hum it out. I have a keyboard. Sometimes I'll like kind of play by ear a little bit to come up with it. Although I don't know what the hell I'm playing. I'm just like, oh, that's sounds good. <laughs> um, you know, it's just like totally. Yeah, whatever works. It doesn't, you don't need to be classically trained. It's whatever yeah, sounds well, good and, and makes you and feel like good. And like I was telling that to my nephew the yeah. other day is that, you know, one of the like weird little, like all like the the you know the violin riff in American Dreaming yeah. the 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 sax solo um, in My Best Friend you know all of those I wrote even though I don't play the but I was just there being like dur, 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 yeah, you know so I would kind of like it sounds weird when you're doing it but um, that was something that you know was. I don't know if it's like imp- important to me, but that was just those were the ones that I would like usually. The ones they would they would usually like present me with something, and then I would end up kind of going in and 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 kind of retooling it to where you know I felt comfortable. You're not giving yourself enough credit. I think it's you know most a lot of musicians and artists and musical people go by feeling. You know, yeah. so you're just going by feeling by your gut what feels good and what sounds good. And the Frenchman and me were, you know, it's it's funny because we made all these songs together. We put out, we made two albums: the first album, um, and then the second album, Denialism, and the first album, Demonic. And you know, on all of the the songs we made, um, you know, most of the time it's me and him sitting at the computer. From like, you know, I'll get there at like five in the afternoon and like we'll work all night on a song and I'll like leave at the wee hour of the morning or something. Um, And it it's funny because I don't know that other I don't know how other bands work, but the level of technical prowess that the Frenchman has and the curiosity that I have Uh. for that process. So I love sitting and looking at the grid, and we're just almost like scientists yeah. for hours and hours adjusting all the levels and arguing over like teeny tiny little yeah. things and throwing out ideas for new instruments. And it, it really was a collaborative process between the two of us. That's beautiful. And that chemistry is hard to find, you know, so it's fortunate that you guys connected. Yeah, I'm usually the like, you know, I want like more and louder. And he's like the French, like demure, like... Nice and soft, you know? So, like, I'm always like, come on, get a little harder. Jam it in, you know? And he's like, no, 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 it, it's hurting my ear. You know, he's like, he's like very much like that. Yeah. Like, I'm just like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, just, I don't know why. I'm that. just like, like, come on, come harder. It's a little yin and yang, but that's why it works. Yeah, you know? a little bit, a little bit. But, I mean, half of our half of our sessions are just, like, talking about movies or ranting about something, and I'll just be like, ranting like I'm Tyler Durden in Fight Club. I do love, um, off of Mnemonic, Love is Real. Oh. And I love the video Kate Bosworth is in it. That's a gorgeous video. Oh, thank you. Yeah, Michael Polis shot that. We were we were actually acting in a movie called Force of Nature with Mel Gibson in Puerto Rico, San Juan. And Kate, you know, she just... I played her mnemonic and she like just flipped for the That's album. Awesome. She loved it so much and she wanted to be in the video and it was I was so I was like this is amazing and Michael was like let's let's shoot it. And the one like awkward part of the video was like we kissed for like a second but like her husband is filming it. <laughs> but we <laughs> That is difficult. And she was just yeah. like Ugh! and then yeah. and then at one point too Michael Polish's daughter 
was was in it, um, Jasper, and uh, in the movie Force of Nature. And at one point, I went up to him and I said, Michael, like, I've made out with your wife and daughter in this movie. Like, I like, I like <laughs> own you. a lot. But I mean, he's the one that cast him. You know right, what I mean? Of course. So that was that was 2019. That was your first album and your second album, Denialism. It was my dancer that I remember I gravitated towards and I supported it a lot when I was playlisting at Spotify. I love that song. I think that was the one that that resonated with me first. Yeah. Um, what was that song about? How did that one come about? That song, you know, it's hard to talk about certain songs without almost like getting emotional. Yeah, Cause I like bet. that song, I think for me and the Frenchman, it represented a uh, a pa- a certain path that either one of us could have taken at different times with certain individuals. Almost like it's almost like the a sliding doors kind of thing. Yeah, or like you know, like a, a like a love like a love that you can only dream about now you know like a perfection that once it's gone you know you can only the the you can only have it when you're in bed like in that like place between being asleep and being awake you know Mm -hmm. and that's sort of what that is it's a bitter it's a bittersweet love song you know it's it's sort of like a love song for sort of what was I think. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really beautiful. I think I think it's something we can all relate to also. Yeah. And 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 you know, I think sometimes in those moments but before you are fully awake, that's sometimes when those feelings really hit you. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Also on this album, you collaborated a bunch with Mark Foster. It's really a, a beautiful bromance, I must yeah, say. Yeah, I mean, he looks like Doc Holliday or something right here from I the mean, Wyatt Earp. Also, the caption said, my rock. Yeah, I mean, Mark is. Mark really is my rock. You know, anytime I'm having a hard time or, you know, the the ups and downs everyone goes through, you know, Mark is like the first guy I call because he's just, he's like a, he's like, he's like a wise dude. He is. Yeah, and he's just consistently there. It's like I have a lot of friends yeah. that I love, that are amazing. But, like, with Mark, he's just going to be in that spot for you. We just always kind of just got along, and Mark has such a great sense of humor. And um, he's just fun and funny. And, yeah, we just, we've had a lot of really good times and just great conversations. And he's he has, he has a great mind. And a, a great spirit, and I think one of the one of the things I really liked about working on um, our songs together, uh, especially "Let Them Walk," you know, we made that. And uh, "Remember Days" one was our other one that we did I together, love that one. and he actually wrote the guitar lick on "My Best Friend." Oh, really? Yeah. Um, but uh, it was amazing seeing him in the room and getting to work with him. Like in the moment, creating "Let yeah. Them Walk," and we really kind of rode that. We rode that creative process like a wave on that song, and we—I mean—he was just hitting instruments, and and then what was so cool about it is like a guy of his success, he would still be like, "What's the melody that you see this on the guitar?" Like he wouldn't be like, "Just because I can play this means it's going to be this." Right? He'd be like, "What do you think?" So he would want me to. He would want me to be happy and feel like I got each melody within each instrument that he hit, which is really selfless when you think of someone with yeah. his level. He'd be like, oh, I like that for your vocal melody, that back and forth. You're like, it's like you're asking a question and then you're like turning it over right after. That was sort of the way that the 
that the vocal um, melody went. And he's just, was just awesome. He's a real artiste. And I don't even know if you realize this, but when I was doing a and at Epic Records, I tried to sign Mark. This is before Foster the People. This is when he wow. was Mark Foster, solo artist. And I don't even remember. I, I got like his, it was old school, like what demos would come into the office. And I heard his demo tape or demo CD. And I was like, this kid yeah. is incredible. And I literally brought him in. We showcased him. And he was just like rocking away on his piano or keyboard and I was like this is a this he's a star like, yeah. he's just so interesting he's his own thing yeah he's awesome he's one of a kind yeah and then and I got him on the album <laughs> <laughs> ah, 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 ah. <laughs> and then bottled even, <laughs> and then also it's even more symbolic because your son Valor his first concert was Foster the People oh, right oh yes that's right that's right. It, it was so, it was so much fun, and and so Mark and Valor, Valor loves Mark. He thinks Mark's so cool, and he became addicted to Foster the People songs. Oh wow! He he just lo- he just it's like yeah. they're his favorite songs, and he'd be like, "Dad, your songs aren't good, <laughs> but Foster the People songs are." And I was like, "I get it, dude. Like, come on, man." Is now with your son Valor. Or do you bond about music? Is music sort of a, a connection between you guys? Yeah, I mean, I feel, I feel like it is, and it's about being patient with what he like. Like, I don't want to like force music that I've liked onto him. Mm-hmm. Um, I sort of want him to just like, you know, like he got mega mega into Harry Styles. Great, yeah, you know, and 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 uh, that's not something that like. I think my would have normally like, that wasn't necessarily on my playlist. Yeah, just because of the the boy band right. thing. Like it's you know what I right. mean. Like I don't think to, but then I would be hearing it. I'd be like, yes, yeah, it's pretty great. cool. Yeah. Well, you and I have talked about we both love Inhaler. Yeah, which so good, so good. And you know about them because because of Eve. I've right. known Eve for a while, and we're 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 tight. And she's just she's so awesome. And I would see her kind of making these posts on like Instagram and stuff about Inhaler, this band. And then I think I didn't actually ever listen to them until I saw them on one of the Spotify playlists. Yeah. And then I started listening and I was like, wow, this is like really, really dope. This is really cool. And like just the way that the productions are and the arrangements and, you know, and the the voice and the and the and the and the a lot of the the vocal melodies. For those of you not familiar, Inhaler is a a, a young band from Ireland. Um, the singer Eli is actually Bono's son. But what's so cool is that most people don't know that because he doesn't want to make that a point because they are objectively great, independent of that note. And and we're Eve we're talking about is his sister, um, who's also an incredible, incredible actor. She's, yeah. I'm a huge fan of her work. Yeah, she's crushing she's it. She's amazing. And then I saw Inhaler, their American or debut, I think was at the Roxy, and I was at that show, and she was there rocking out, being so supportive, which I thought was such a beautiful familial connection that was really wonderful to see. Yeah, it's like, settle down. <laughs> it was pretty good. <laughs> she was into it. I was like, she was First rocking. Row, this is she your was. brother. <laughs> she she really was. <laughs> she was actually so into it that I was like, God, that's supportive right there. Yeah. I mean, it was pretty awesome. Yeah. It was really, really cute. But I objectively it love that It helps when your brother looks like Eli. Yeah. I mean, he's, <laughs> the whole family is beautiful and talented. Are you listening to anything else just as a fan? I've been listening to like just older stuff. 
You know, I yeah. I, oh, yeah. I feel like I haven't been as on the up. Um, I have my go-tos. Like, who are some of your, like, your go-to, you just always go back to it? Or... Lately, Depeche Mode has Ugh. been really, been, like, my lifeline. Yeah. Where I just, I just keep going back to them. Based on your music, even, I can see that. Well, the, here's the irony about the Depeche Mode thing, is that I didn't even know who fucking Depeche Mode were until I was actually making music really yeah it's so weird wow and i remember i played my buddy kenny one of the songs and he was like oh it sort of sounds like depeche mode and i think it was that song winning uh-huh it was like one of my early songs and i thought it was like kind of like a bowie or like you know trying to be like we are the champions you know like queen kind of mm-hmm. vibe and he said depeche mode and i was like who's that and he's like fool you don't know who depeche mode is and i, I love was like that you got schooled and i was like right no yeah, I mean, I get schooled a lot. That's that's a frequent. That's a that's a common <laughs> happening. And I was like, no, who's that? And so I listened. I was Wait, like, you had I was never like, heard of Depeche Mode, I mean, I or you just heard of... familiar with them? No, I, I, I mean, I think I'd heard "Enjoy the Silence," right? For sure, and like the Manson version of "Personal Jesus," right. but like I, I don't think I'd really. And then I really got into them. Yes. Um, and they're so they're so good. So good. They're so good. What about the Cure? I like the cure. Yeah. I like the cure. I, I don't I don't I, I, I didn't get the same kind of like <sighs> Yeah, well they're different. Yeah. They're, they're di- the cure is some of the most melancholy songwriting of all time. Yeah. But sometimes to an up tempo, you know, like an upbeat melody, but the lyrics are so dark and depressing. It's just Yeah, you're like, what's I going love on both. Here? I'm actually huge fans of both of those bands, but I think my favorite overall band has consistently been Nirvana since I was yes, since I was a wee lad. I love Nirvana. I always post pictures of myself in Kurt Cobain t-shirts, etc. And one time I posted it, and you commented, and you said Kurt Cobain is my all time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he he was just. Uh, I just I love the. You know, it's kind of like he clearly idolized John Lennon to. Mm-hmm. I think a. De- a much greater degree than most people realize. Realize, yeah. I think he like zeroed in on Lennon like nobody's business. Yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons why the 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 melodies and the vocal melodies and stuff are just so catchy because he really, yeah. really prized that particular quality that the Beatles had and, and went for it. And I, yeah. and I think that that... I, I don't want to say that it's like a pop infusion because I think that that I think that that cheapens the value of good melodies or catchy melodies. I think it's more of like he recognized that there was something that Lennon was doing that was really resonating, and I and I think what I really like about Nirvana is that they have that 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 kind of that pop melody uh, sensibility at times of the Beatles, but it's just with a little bit more grit and rawness that I you're, just like You're absolutely love. right. He really had respect for the songwriting and the pop sensibility. And yeah. he did aspire to accomplish that. He just was such a genius and the timing was at such that he, there was, it was in, in, in music it was a crossroads. So he loved punk, then he loved classic rock. You know, he loved all of these, and metal. And he basically fused all of his favorite influences and, you know, being in that Seattle scene, it, created this brand new 
sound yeah. that was so fresh, but with that pop sensibility. Yeah, yeah. And it just was so unique. I enjoy like his notebooks that got published. I thought were really interesting, and that book "Heavier Than Heaven" was really interesting. And in a lot of ways, he's like a really strange guy. Yeah, <laughs> you know, um, for sure, a true artist. A true very, artist. Yeah, very, a very, a very true artist in that way. And it's funny because now I'm 37. I'm about to be 38, and I'm like thinking. Man, he was he was like so really young, young really so young. really young, you know. Um it's it's uh it's just another tragedy. Yeah. I was fortunate with Dave Grohl. By the way, his book, I don't know if you've read Dave Grohl's book. Mm-mm. It's incredible. It's I can't recommend it enough, but he did like a limited sort of book tour around it. The storyteller and he did it in LA at the Fonda. And he was telling the story about how Nirvana came about, and he does get on the kit and plays the drums to Smells Like Teen Spirit. Oh, wow. And I couldn't even prepare myself for my reaction. I started, like, bawling. Yeah. (laughs) It was such an emotional—I was, like, hyperventilating. And I I was not the only one, by the way, to have this reaction, but it just was, wow, like, what a special moment of time. I feel fortunate that I was alive for when that music came on the scene and that it was during my imprinting period because I was like 12, 13, 14, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah, just something that can't happen again. It just was... I remember remember the day he died, I came... I was living in Santa Fe in this apartment complex and uh, there was like this guy who was sort of like the apartment manager, this guy named Jim... And he was like a waiter who would like, he worked at like a sushi restaurant and he would like take his bicycle and his suit to work every day. And he was like, what? But he, but he was like a part-time singer-songwriter and he was super bummed out. And I was like, what's oh. what's wrong, man? And he goes, oh, this 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 guy killed him, this Kurt Cobain, he's the lead singer in Nirvana, he killed himself. And I was like, well, I heard that at school, like maybe he, he was murdered or something. And he was like, no, man, he killed himself. And he, and it was just a. Anyway, I remember he was like watering the plants mm. when he told me, and he was just really hard. The depression. Set. He was bummed. I still have the original Rolling Stone cover talking about. I have, I'm like a little bit of a creepy uh, Nirvana hoarder. I have like all of the articles. It's just yeah. a little morbid, but yeah, I'm 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 a little mental. I also really like Beck and Tame Impala right oh, amazing. now. Super amazing, super rad. I actually felt like listening to your music. I also felt a little bit of Beck, definitely Beck notes. Definitely, yeah. Beck was a big influence on me. Sea Change, love that album yeah, so much. So Odelay, uh, so great. What about you and Eddie Vedder? Did you guys ever bond about doing music? I don't. You know, he, Eddie's been really supportive and cool, and but you know, he's he's all the way in Seattle. You mm-hmm. know, he's far far away. He's yeah. either in like Seattle or like Hawaii or something. Yes, I think he he's like a Hawaii. surfer. He's yeah. like a Hawaii surfer guy. It's been a while since I've written a song, which is probably a really good thing because I feel like sometimes I would slip into a mode where I would be like writing and thinking of melodies like all day to where like at a certain point they stop being good. Mm-hmm. So I think if you turn that faucet off, make sure there's no drops coming out. Eventually, it'll like be a nice. Okay, we're gonna do a lightning round. Okay. Deep cuts. Ooh. Okay. If you weren't an actor, what would you be? Writer. Which movie changed your life? Streetcar Named Desire. <sighs> Classic. An album that changed your life. Never mind. Ugh, great. First concert. Foo Fighters. Oh, that's amazing. Australia. Really? Queensland. I was shooting this TV movie called Gargantua. Oh, 
that's really cool. We drove up to Brisbane to see the Foo that's... Fighters. I actually, our the medical doctor of the show was like the doctor for the Foo Fighters. And so he like brought us backstage afterwards and I like met Dave Grohl and I have a picture. First concert I have a picture. I have a picture with Dave Grohl and I'm like this 12 year old smart ass, like flipping off the camera, like with <laughs> Dave Grohl. And he's like, <laughs> I love it. That's your first experience. Smile wider, Dave. That's amazing. Oh my God. He's the coolest. Yeah. Name a film role you wish you had played. I freaking loved Avatar. Oh. I think that Sam Worthington and Avatar is just, it's such a cool movie. It's going to be, I loved part two so much. I just really connected to the way that the discipline that James Cameron makes his films with and the the emotional journey of those movies and where they're going to go. And I'm so curious to know. And it's cool because it's an interactive part where you're playing this like human and then you're going into this motion capture and there's all this underwater uh, motion capture yeah. for the second one. All those actors were like deep underwater. Yeah. Like holding their freaking breath. Intense. Kate yeah. Winslet held her breath for like seven, seven minutes. minutes. By the way, <laughs> what a psycho. I like, love her. Like, she, oh my God. She's a rock star. That I love is Kate like the most badass, badass thing. Like, so badass. I don't, lung capacity. I mean, I don't know how you do that. Yeah. Another movie that uh, I auditioned for was the social network i love i love david fincher yeah but uh i don't know i guess i didn't have what it takes to be zuck (laughs) yeah i don't know i didn't you know what is something people would be surprised to learn about you i think the thing people are probably the most surprised to learn about me is just like how much writing and and painting and stuff i just sort of do on the side i think that that is probably other than the fact of like what like how short I am or like what a good athlete I am, I think those are like the two You're things. You're not that short, by the way. Yeah, but it's more fun to, okay. to, to you know, to, to say I want to see some of these drawings and paintings that you do. Well, they're all like locked away in a storage unit now. Who is your dream collaboration? I would love to work with James Cameron. Oh, yeah. You know, after seeing Avatar 2. Mm-hmm. But there's there's so many great filmmakers yeah. out there. I, I hate to even single somebody out. Um, because then some other filmmaker will be like, well, clearly he didn't want to work with me. Oh, just one of. It's one of your dream collaborations. Yeah. What is something you hope your son Valor learns from you? I think determination and persistence, you know, like – we have a lot of fun together and a lot of a lot of the best times that we have together are you know now that he's 9 you know it's like we'll go on climbs together awesome. we'll go on mountaineering kind of stuff and we won't just do that we'll do like tons of research Fowler's a big researcher that's cool so we'll watch like hours and hours of like video blogs of people climbing mountains together or we'll get interested in plants we'll get like picture this plant app and we'll go identify plants and then we'll start going to different nurseries every weekend and we'll like start a collection and you know wait speaking of plants we have to talk about it you once shared that horrifying story with me it was almost like into the wild where you guys saw these these like carrots so valor was on was in a hiking class at school and they like was like a field trip because we were growing carrots in our garden Real carrots. Right. He, Actual He carrots. sees what he thinks are carrots. So he pulls a bunch of them, 
puts him in his backpack. Doesn't tell me though, right? He gets back and I talk to his mom and he gets this suddenly he's with me and he gets this horrible rash, like swollen. Oh my God. Like down there, swollen. It looks like a water balloon that you stick on the end of a hose. Like to where my jaw was on the floor. I was like, oh no. So keep in mind, we don't know about this mystery plant in his backpack yet. Right. Poison oak? No. This, this. He's crying 24. Like, like all to the point where I'm, they're like, doesn't look like poison oak. And I'm thinking chemicals, chemicals, chemicals. So I just keep grilling him. And then I'm on the, I'm on the, I call him again. I'm on the phone. My buddy Kenny's sitting on my right. I go, I want you to recount every single thing you did that day. So he's talking, and we went to the Will Rogers State Park. Okay, okay, what happened on the hike? Oh, and then there were the car- the wild carrots. And I go, what? And I go, what? what? I put them in my backpack. And then my buddy Kenny looks at me, and he goes, wild carrots? Yeah. And I go, wait, 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 wait. What are you talking about, wild carrots? He's like, oh, well, Mommy threw them away. And I go, huh. So I take out the picture of this plant app. I drive to the Will Rogers State Park. I video chat with him because he can't travel because he still has this allergic reaction. And, I wa- and I'm just aimlessly walking around looking for any kind of plant because at this point I've zeroed in on what looks like a carrot, a wild carrot, and it's poison hemlock. Oh, my God, which is deadly. Which is like one of the deadliest yeah. plants there is. It's yeah. like the worst possible. It's just like the chills oh go up God, your back when it's... you hear it. So I didn't find it that day, but I was like, fuck that. And I went back the next day, and I just started walking, and I just it was just retracing it over and over. And I found this little area. And he, honestly, he had given me the exact correct directions wow. like to a T he was like by the tall wall on the thing on the thing I was like it was my fault I'm an oh. idiot he like gave, I mean he dude, gave you like the latitude and longitude dude, it, he was yeah. crazy accurate and I saw it and I was like oh my god it's just like he said it's exactly but there was like poison That's hemlock terrifying. poison hemlock growing everywhere and I was and I felt really bad because you know it's like the, through the gardening that we had done together yeah. you know he Aww. thought that the carrots and I'm just I'm just thank god that he didn't eat any of those oh wild my carrots. God. Last but not least, what do you hope to achieve next? You know, I'm really excited about some of the movies that I plan, uh, hopefully, that will come together in 2023. It took me a long time to get to the place where I think because I've made all this music and I've made all these movies now, I sort of like, I would be like patting myself on the back to say that I've like seen into the matrix or like look through the matrix, but I'll do certain things on movies that like I'm like, I'll do whatever I think makes it the best. Aww. So like, but what I mean is I'll do stuff that would make like a great actors like shudder. They'd be like, like, I'd be like, yeah, just like throw a cue card up for your monologue right there and just like look in that direction and like deliver it. And like some actor would be like, are you serious? And I'm like, yeah, well, you'll probably be better. Just try it. You know, stuff like that where like I, you know, I'm like, it's not that I'm results oriented. I just like I see what you need to do to get things to a certain place. And I don't harbor any illusions about those things and I don't have any kind of like it's not that I don't have any kind of mystical respect for the craft if anything I think I have more because 
now it's like really play for me in a lot of ways. And I think a lot of actors, they get really hung up on um, this kind of like stuffy, pretentious air about acting. And it doesn't make them better. It makes them more inhibited. And it's an it's ironic and it's unfair, but it's true that sort of when you're able to let go of that kind of stuff, that's when you're actually able to be really good. And it's so it doesn't make a lot of sense. Well, that is the rock and roll spirit. It that's doesn't it. make a lot. It that's doesn't what, make a lot of roll. sense. Yeah, I mean that, but that's that's Letting really go. it's really the truth. Thank you so much. Always yeah. a gift. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Emil is so talented and is such a creative being. I just love hearing him talk about acting and writing and making music. And he is so prolific. I'm sure that he's already preparing like three more roles right now. So Emil, I love him. It is now time for my sound advice. New music you need to know featured on the Allison Hagendorf Show playlist. And you can find the link to that in the show notes. First on this week's sound advice is a song by Chad Tepper featuring Dreamers. Now, I love this collaboration. Not only is it a great song, but I genuinely love Chad and the guys in Dreamers as well. Chad is a beautiful person, and his personal story is so inspiring. He was homeless as a kid, and he and his mom, they lived in cars and tents and shelters, and it was music that really got him through it all. And now his song is on the radio. He's collaborating with all the bands he grew up listening to, like Simple Plan. He's such an incredible story and an incredible guy. Check out the song by Chad Tepper featuring Dreamers, I Want to Be Your High. Next on my sound advice is the artist Grabbits. He is a musician, a composer, producer, and DJ. He first got his start in the EDM community, but his music always leaned more alternative to me. And I even created a playlist when I was at Spotify called Alternative Beats, inspired by his music. His music just makes you want to dance. It makes you feel good. Listen to When You and Me Dance by Grabbits. Next on my sound advice is Sir Chloe. They're an indie rock band from Vermont. They cite one of my favorite bands, Cage the Elephant, as an influence, and they got their first big break on TikTok. They're putting out their debut album, I Am the Dog, next month, and they'll be touring with Beck and Phoenix this summer. Such a great lineup. Check out their latest song. It's called Salivate. Next on my sound advice is a song from Bully featuring Soccer Mommy. I love this collaboration. I love this song, which is so 90s alternative to me, which you know is my favorite time in music. Bully is heading out on tour with both headline shows and supporting bands like The Breeders, Pixies, and Franz Ferdinand. Make sure you listen to Bully featuring Soccer Mommy. The song is called Lose You. Finally, on my sound advice this week is the band Ultra Q. I love these guys. I've been following them since the beginning. They are led by Jacob Armstrong, the youngest son of Green Day's Billy Joe Armstrong. They're going to be releasing their debut album, My Guardian Angel, this summer. This is definitely a young band to keep on your radar. Listen to their latest song. It is called VR Sex. That's my sound advice this week. You can hear all of these plus more on the Allison Hagendorf Show playlist. The link to that is in the show notes and at allisonhagendorf.com. As always, thank you so much for being part of the Allison Hagendorf Show. New episodes drop every week, so make sure you follow and subscribe so you don't miss a thing. You can find the show wherever you listen to podcasts, and you can watch the show on Instagram, 
and YouTube. I would love to hear from you. So please like, comment, rate, review, whatever you're feeling, and reach out to me on socials at Allie Hagendorf. I'd love to connect with you. Let me know who I should interview next and what new music I should be featuring on my sound advice. Thanks again. I'll see you next week. And remember, you're a rock star. Rock star.